0: And so it's really important that we start talking about this as a society and we stop praising certain body types and stop praising certain eating habits and capabilities and behaviors and that we look at it from a holistic approach. And rather than like what is good and bad, we start as a society to accept how we feel about ourselves in a positive light. You're listening to the Seton Hall Undergraduate Leaders Podcast, the only leadership podcast run
1: by undergraduate students dedicated to helping undergraduate students lead in diverse fields. From people in diplomacy to entertainment, from CEOs to student leaders, we feature people from all walks of life. It's all part of the mission. Here at the Piscina Leadership Institute, we make leaders better. Hello, and welcome to the Seton Hall Undergraduate Leaders Podcast. My name is Kaida Jesus, and I'll be your host. Today, I'm shining a spotlight on one of the Vecina Leadership Institute's IDTs. That's short for Interdisciplinary Teams. This semester, freshmen and sophomores split off into groups to complete a project of their choosing. We're talking to Team Undefeated, which focuses on raising awareness about eating disorders on campus. I'm joined by Miranda Mazzella. Ben Hajek, and the CEO of the project, Julia Haynes. Welcome to the show all. Thank you for having us on. So I wanna start with some questions for Julia because the project always starts with the CEO pitching an idea for a team to work on. Julia, how did you come up with this project?
0: After struggling with an eating disorder and disordered eating throughout a large portion of my life and also seeing how it affected the people around me, I thought it was very important to start spreading awareness and to create education to break the stigma around eating disorders, I think it's very isolating. And a lot more people than you think struggle with their relationship with their body, with relationships with food, and relationships with exercise or movement at all. So often, it is overlooked. It's stigmatized by society to be such a issue that people have a hard time being able to talk about it which which forces a lot of people to not think it's a big deal. A large misconception about eating disorders is that it's all about your weight and it's all about food, but it's really not. It's a, it's a mental illness and it's a complex issue that develops in your mental co- capabilities that really is almost like there's a second voice in your head. And having that second voice in your head it changes who you act like as a person and it it doesn't excuse who you are how you act it's it contributes to a lot of your actions and how you feel and it, and it often relates to anxiety and depression and so it's really important that we start talking about this as a society and we stop praising certain body types and stop praising certain eating habits and capabilities and behaviors and that we look at it from a holistic approach and rather than like what is good and bad we start as a society to accept how we feel about ourselves in a positive light. Every time I talk to CEOs some of them
1: agonize over whether or not they should have put it up in the first place and I want to know if you ever had that doubt when pitching it because that like I've seen it it's hard.
0: Yes, absolutely. Actually, I received an email from one of the upperclassmen and they were begging us to put out pitches because not enough people had pitched yet. And originally I didn't really have an idea, you know, this was always in the back of my mind because I've always wanted to help people who struggle with eating disorders and disordered eating as well. But I never knew where the right platform was for me. So when I received this email, I also received an email from Dean Halpin about two days later saying that the deadline was extended. And I even ignored that email. And then she said, it's extended again. And I was like, you know what, maybe there's a purpose that this deadline keeps being extended, because not enough people are pitching their ideas. My first hesitation, you know, was, is this the right platform? Is this the right place to talk about eating disorders? It's a mental illness, right? So Is boosting a leadership institute the right platform for me? And I decided that why wouldn't it be? It was given to me as a platform and it's given to me as a leader. And to be able to talk about my experience shows leadership qualities and will help others who who will follow. And that was my first hesitation. But my second hesitation is my own experience is um, because, you know, I am the stereotypical person to have an eating disorder. So because of that, you know, I'm a white cis female who struggles with how they look and how they eat. And I felt that it was almost acceptable for me to feel that way because so many of that stereotype are receiving help when there are thousands of others who are in minority groups who struggle with eating disorders, but aren't as given as much help as someone who is in a stereotype like I am. I also never received medical and clinical help. So I was prohibited from thinking that I was going to be able to help other people without having gone through being in, in inpatient care. So that was another thing that really set me back. But when I talked to Dean Halpin, she encouraged me and said that my experience is unique, right? It is different because of how it started. It is different because of how I was able to overcome it. And that just because my experience wasn't the worst case possible, I should be able to talk about it and help other people with it.
1: I wanna direct the questions now to Miranda and Ben. What drew you to Undefeated? I can
2: start with that one. When reading the description of Julia's IDT, I felt called to this one because of my own personal experience with this kind of subject. And while it made me a bit nervous just going into that kind of, that kind of environment again and hearing the term eating disorder or disordered eating, um, I, there was a bit of hesitation because while I'm doing so well in my life now, there is always going to be, like what Julia said, like that little second voice in your head telling you what to do or what to eat or how to look and all that. I put this one as my first pick, ultimately, because I realized that if my experience can help even one person listening to the podcast or reading our infographics or joining our sessions later on in the coming semesters, then I figured that, like, then it almost gives my experience a purpose because I can use what I took away from my experience and how I've become now the best version of myself and, like, hopefully just help like one person feel better about themselves or just be like kinder to themselves, like take things easier and realize that anything under the eating disorder, disordered eating branch can be recovered. It's, it's something like so serious, especially like in, in our teenage years, early adulthood. So I just, I realized that if there's any good that I can do with what I've, with what I've gone through, then it's worth it. And I think definitely was a good choice for me because it's helped me too, talking to like Julia and other people in the group that have gone through similar experiences and just feeling like Knowing that I'm not alone and knowing that what I went through is heard and seen, it's valued. And Julia, for sure, has done a great job of making the whole group feel like equals, no matter the experience we all went through or not.
0: Yeah, and before Ben chimes in really quickly, you know, that was my biggest motivation was if I could help one person, then it would be worth it. That's really where I started. And I think that, you know, almost creating our group, we've helped each other, being able to talk about it and being able to talk about our experiences.
3: I have a kind of completely different experience from it because I really knew nothing about eating disorders before this IDT. And I think that's, that's kind of what drew me to it, too, because it's a branch of, of something that I, I don't have experience with, which is it's scary, you know, but at the same time, it's exciting, right? And it's, it's something that you can really grow from. And I think just from this process alone before presentations, I've learned so much, I've learned so much about just observing uh, different different body language and just kind of understanding how eating disorders can develop. It, it's it's not simple, and it's it's different with every single person. And as a guy, it, it's not really talked about eating disorder or disorders in guys. And having that kind of exposure and understanding it. Think it's really helpful. And it's it's something that I think it's gonna benefit a lot of people.
0: And I think it was really, really nice having Ben on our team. We have several people who were able to share an experience which connected with all of us. But when we got around the table to Ben, he said, You know, I really don't have an experience. And I said, You know, that's great. And I'm happy for him, but I'm also happy for our group because he looks at it from a different perspective than we do, and he can see if we're going to be beneficial for society outside of it. And him saying how much he learned from it is really important because going forwards, you know, there are so many men who maybe don't understand it or or have experienced it, but you're almost guaranteed to run into your significant other to have it, or a child to have it, a parent to have it, struggle with eating disorder. And so for a certain gender or a certain kind of person not to want to learn more about it is is not good. So having been you know, on our team, he was able to shed light on not knowing very much about it, but he has put so much effort forward to learn more and to educate on an outside level as well. So we really appreciate having him on our team as well. If I
1: may ask, Julia, you are the CEO. And part of the process is to get Miranda and Ben onto your team. Mm -hmm. You have to draft them first. And I've heard (laughs) it's crazy. And I'd love to know what it was like in the drafting room.
0: Yes, absolutely. So all seven IDT leaders, we are in a room together. We have a spreadsheet in front of us and actually all of the students or all of the our classmates had to rate the IDT pitches and presentations. How I narrowed down my team of who I wanted to draft and pick. I went to everyone who rated my presentation as a four or five. (laughs) And the reason I did that was because I wanted a group of people who were interested. They didn't have to have the same experience. In fact, I wanted people to have different experiences and we have dip people from different cohorts and different knowledge backgrounds. So how I narrowed down to my team, I really picked out all of the people who had done four and fives because I wanted people interested. Somebody who thought my idea was going to be a good idea because I knew I could persuade them to think that You know, they have a purpose within my group. I wasn't going to pick somebody who gave me a one or a two because they went and had the same dedication. So that was my first elimination process. And then I also looked at their behaviors and their characteristics. So Ben's very level-headed. And even though I didn't know him before this project too much, I knew he would be a good way to balance me out because I kind of run in circles and go in different directions. So that was what drew me to make sure I have Ben and also to have a different perspective on this issue. And I picked my other teammates as well. And then I also drafted Miranda. I was hesitant about Miranda, to be honest. <laughs> but let me explain why. Because we had talked the prior year. Actually, I had given a presentation in our oral communications class about, I think, about nutrition or something. I don't totally remember. And at the end of the presentation, I mentioned something about having an eating disorder. I didn't go into it, but I kind of mentioned it. And she came up to me later on, and she connected with me on that, and she was explaining how she struggled with it as well. We didn't go into too much detail, but we knew that we were just there for each other, and it was around the time of the holidays. We reached out to each other because holidays are always hard. We connected on that as well. So fast forward to this year, while I was hesitant, I knew she would be a great pick because I knew she had the experience. But I did talk to her after I did draft her mm-hmm. and I just was like, are you sure? Are you okay? Would you like to go a different a different team? Because I wasn't sure where she was in her recovery process and see if she would be comfortable in being able to talk and help about this subject. So
1: So for all of you, this is not your first rodeo when it comes to IDTs. And I'd like to know what sort of lessons you took from your previous
0: IDT onto this new project. I'll jump into that just because of how I structured the team. Last year, I had a team of everybody who had similar personalities. It was very hard to get stuff done because, you know, everyone was kind of laid back, not very opinionated, and myself and one other team member kind of carried the whole thing. And I was a leader last year as well, so for me to change how I thought about it was very important. And so that's how i created my team is making sure I had the different backgrounds and different perspectives and the different personalities, especially looking at the DISC assessments and seeing how people respond in different environments. So I think that was a major part of it. For me, a learning curve was also having strict deadlines versus kind of having an open flowing project. And while we could have made adjustments this year, I think that we flowed into a very natural Development of things, and it progressed in a very natural way, rather than it being forced, and it felt like it had to be done by a certain deadline. I remember my IDT
2: freshman year. I was definitely more nervous going into it because it was the first interdisciplinary team that we ever did, and I didn't really know how I would be in a group with like so many new faces, so many new names. I didn't really know any of them, like personally. So what I took away from last year. Was definitely feeling more confident in my ideas and what I want to say like, coming into this year. Um, last year I noticed myself holding back or waiting till somebody else spoke before me and then just agreeing with them rather than being the first one to pitch an idea or give direction for where I think our project should, should go. So I took that and I, I almost like used like my nervousness, like my anxiety about my IDT last year and kind of put it to this one and like I'm hoping just be even like 1% better than last year and like say like a few more ideas I did last year just to kind of get used to talking to a new group, new faces, and to quickly pick up on someone's personality and characteristics and use that to make everyone feel like a cohesive team. So that was kind of the biggest takeaway that I had from last year was just kind of my own self-confidence when it comes to like new group projects.
3: My big one was communication and staying on task. And I think that's a That's a problem. I mean, it's always going to be like a struggle with like new teammates and everything to really stay on the same page, right? But last year, it was tough sometimes to get things done on time. We ended up scrambling at the very end to put together a presentation and it turned out fine and everything, but it wasn't great. So this year, I really wanted to just kind of hone into that. And I mean, Julia can speak on this too. I I kind of just like in the middle of a meeting, if we're like drifting off task, I'm like, guys, we got to focus. <laughs> like, we're running out of time. <laughs> and that's just a big part because it is a time limit. And we want to be able to get all the things we want to talk about across. And we want it to be accessible to both the people in Busino and eventually to the university. Right. And it's, I think, communication both between team members and just. Yeah, having everything done on time is is a big, big thing that I learned.
0: I will say I had to force Ben to almost bring out that quality in him (laughs) because I knew it and I could tell that he knew when we were going off track. But at first, you know, we're all new to it and we're all learning each other. And so when we had our one-on-one, I said, we'll speak up, say it when we're going off track. And he did. And I appreciated that because it helped all of us stay on track and get back into it.
1: Yeah, I'd actually like to ask about that because when I was a sophomore doing my IDT, we had one-on-ones with the assistant dean that was guiding us, but not the team leader, mm-hmm. which is like, a, like I don't know, like you're giving feedback directly. Yeah. and That's a lot for like a 20, 21-year-old. Mm-hmm. How was that?
0: I want to say it was the biggest turning point in our project. And the reason I say that is because I don't live on campus, so I'm not here very often. I don't know everyone in the leadership very well, so sitting down with each person and learning a little bit more about them, their interests, or what they thought about the project—like honestly—and maybe something they wouldn't say in a group of seven people, but in a one-on-one with just me—and it was really eye-opening to see, you know, people, certain people's characteristics come out in our one-on-one, which didn't come out in our group because we didn't—we don't really see each other outside of our group, so it's kind of whatever comes out. And what I was able to take away from that is in each conversation, I encouraged a certain action of that person of what they're doing well in and what they could improve in. And for example, as we mentioned, I knew Ben could, I knew Ben knew that we were going off track, but he was always hesitant because He never wanted to, you know, step on people's toes. And I think that's common with all of our group. You know, they don't want to override somebody. It's also important, you know, we're also talking about a sensitive topic. So people are generally talking less than if it was something maybe a little less sensitive. So it was really nice being able to meet with everyone and give the feedback that I would say 99% of it was encouragement. And, you know, making sure that people were saying what they really thought and they were giving their opinions and that their opinions were being heard. So I want to say that our meeting right after I finished the one-on-ones with everyone was probably the most productive. And I don't know if anybody else noticed it, but I noticed a drastic difference. I also changed, you know, certain way, things that I did because I asked each person. I said whether or not you want to, you have to give me one piece of constructive criticism, and I think that really helped us come together. And they felt they were able to reach out and connect with me. So I really like the one-on-one sessions.
3: You know, that's interesting that you that you didn't meet with your IDT leader. That's I don't I don't see how that would how, how that helps you in, in like a feedback way.
1: Part of it, if I want to give the historical context, I am the second class to graduate, so it's a like this is a new program, so I see what the other IDTs are doing, and it just keeps on developing how it's working. I know that now that some of this class is older, my class particularly, and that we have more juniors and seniors we have I believe you guys have a junior and or a senior also mentoring you as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. yeah, we didn't have mm-hmm. because we didn't, ha- we didn't <laughs> have a junior or a senior, so yeah, yeah. We didn't have that either, so there's been a, quite a few changes, mm-hmm. and I, I do want to ask about that. Like, I don't know, you have like so much feedback. I I want to, you get feedback from your ad from the ad ads helping you from the CEO from the mentor that is also an older member of the Senior Leadership Institute. Just like tell me more about that. I want to know.
3: Doctor Price said it best like feedback's a gift, right? You you got to make mistakes eventually, and It's really how you deal with those mistakes is how you can become a better person. I try my best to learn and really analyze where I went wrong, what I did. We have our coachings now this semester, which has been really, really great. And it kind of gives you a chance to do a little bit of introspection and figure out what works for you. That's, That's a pretty... Pretty big thing for someone like who's a sophomore in college, and just having those resources is something that's really special about Lucino. And I know that I probably don't utilize all of them because it's it's almost impossible with how much they give Mm -hmm. you. (laughs) But I think it's as it continues to change. I mean, some things are better than others, but it's I think it's changing for the better.
2: In the program, with all the resources we have, there's always. Always something you can be doing to improve your leadership skills. There's always someone else's point of view for advice or feedback, and because we have so much of that, there's always improvements to be made with and with with ourselves and the institute and all of that. But I think even this year, like there's just been, I feel like through our leadership coaching and like IDTs, especially this year, like I feel like I become a much better leader this in in this past year just because of all of the resources that we have, like using them wisely and taking what you need from sessions or whatever it may may be, there's always going to be new perspectives. And some of them are going to really hit home and really just kind of be an eye opener for our leadership skills, which I I found a lot of that in my leadership coaching this semester.
0: Yeah, Um, absolutely. And I think my leadership coaching has helped me the most in learning myself, which might sound a little silly, but I was talking to my leadership coach like last week and she goes, oh, you know yourself so well. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like, no, I don't. But being forced to talk about myself to her and the rest of my other coaches, they see what excites you and what interests you and how you excel at certain things when you don't even see it yourself. And while I'm talking about things that excite me or I change the mannerisms in which I speak about certain aspects, they give me the feedback of saying, you're interested in that. You like that. You should pursue or you can change the way that you view about this. And and certain, they give you tips that I would never come to myself or even things I'd be interested in. I think that the coaching and the mentoring system is so beneficial for me because it's also teaching me how to talk about myself, where I can sell myself in the future to build up, like a good report about myself as well. So we've talked a lot about the meetings and
1: just like making sure you guys stay on task, but what is the task?
0: What are the goals of Undefeated? I think our biggest goal is to spread awareness and break the stigma, right? There's so much stigma around eating disorders that that's really what we want to break. But I would say a vision we want a world without eating disorders. And while that might sound very broad, right, we envision getting rid of eating disorders one generation at a time. And I say that because I had somebody ask me a question, why are you only focused in Seton Hall? And I could have given the answer of, you know, that's where I was given the platform or whatever. But he was giving me suggestions of going outside of campus. But I said, you know, this is the audience we're targeting is college students. A lot of eating disorders develop on college campuses or right before you come in. You have all this change in your life. And this is something, and eating is something that you feel like you can control, then a lot of times that can lead to an eating disorder. So while this is the generation I'm trying to convince and to change and to break the stigma, I think that we're also all hopefully going to be, if if that's what we desire in our life, is to have children and to grow and to nurture the next generation. It's important how we view ourselves, how we view other people's bodies, and how we are going to talk about food and bodies and movement in the future and how we can nurture a safe environment around our children in the future. Right. So Everyone says we're the generation of change, but I really think we are. And I think that bringing this awareness and breaking the stigma, giving information is what's going to help that change now. Right. So I want to thank you all so much
1: for joining me on the show today, but I want to end off on this question. And that is, when do you think this will be successful? What does success mean to you?
3: Well, I think success, it's going to start off small, right? It's going to be getting our foot in the door of the Institute, right? And and establishing ourselves as kind of an independent idea that has become something tangible. And we're going to try, we have like a a three-year plan that we want to incorporate. And that's with workshops and different panels and just giving as many resources as possible. And kind of like a throwing things at the wall and letting it stick, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's that's what's so great about Busino. It's it's an opportunity. It's kind of like a playground of ideas. And you can really test out your ideas and and it's a it's a nurturing environment where you're surrounded by people that want you to succeed. And having the chance to really test out all our ideas. We want to bring in speakers. we want to be able to communicate with as many people as possible, mm-hmm. both in Busino and in the university eventually. And honestly, like Miranda said earlier, like, if we can change one person's life, I think that's, that's a success.
2: Exactly what Ben just said. And we have so much planned the next like, coming years. Like, we're already talking about speakers coming in and, and, and having like, a workshop and having someone like, speak about this that is a professional and can speak about this in a way more intricate way than we can. And I think having our first, at least for me, I think having our first planned event and like going through it and getting feedback from that, that's going to be a very determining point for our project because that will be the first time that we, as a group, we get something done, we have an event, and we get feedback and we get advice for mo- moving forward and I feel like that is going to be a big takeaway It's just how our first event goes and just making all the mistakes that, that we can and learning from all of them and like what Ben said like helping anyone like that's the success in my eyes.
0: Yeah for sure and I totally believe that somebody will come up and say you know you changed my life and I think that will be the greatest success. I don't care if it's one person I would love for it to be more But even if we could help one person, you know, it's a common misconception, but eating disorders have the highest suicidal rate as a mental illness. And because it is a mental illness, it's so hard to just, you know, you can't wake up one day and just choose not to have it, right? It's constantly in the back of your mind. So if we're able to help one person come to the recognition of, you know, needing help or reaching out to a friend or getting therapy or getting professional help I think that that's a success what I would love for it to be in the future by the second year we're hoping that it becomes a club or an Mm -hmm. organization where we have members therefore we're getting you know proper funding where we can hold bigger events and we can have a larger outreach and a bigger platform so that's really where success starts I think it starts personally and then I'm hoping that we are able to reach the whole campus and maybe we can set a standard for other colleges and other universities because when I was researching, you know, there's not very many campuses who have an eating disorder helpline or, or area of information. So hopefully that we can start something there as well.
1: On behalf of everyone at the Pasadena Leadership Institute, I'd like to thank the podcast team, 89.5 FM WSOU for allowing us to use their facilities, and you for listening. Follow us online at www.shu.edu backslash leadership, on Instagram at pasadenaleaders, Leaders, and on Twitter at SHU Leadership. At Seton Hall, we make leaders better.